For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read verse 1 to verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, if you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1,159. This evening, I'll look particularly at verse 10. Let us now hear God's word. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to turn in the forms and prayers book to page 237, where we come to a new part, a new section in the Catechism, the section on gratitude. I'm going to have you open there, but I want you to put it aside for now. We will get to this in a moment, and a couple particular points that we want to make, because we're going to look at this carefully as we unpack this A very important verse, verse 10, in context of verses 1 through 10. Let us ask the Lord's blessing in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, your living word that is active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so we pray, O Lord, that by your spirit working through the word would bring about conviction, would bring about consecration, that we, O Lord, would walk not according to the deeds of the flesh or the sins of the old nature, but walk in obedience to Christ, to walk according to your will and purposes in our lives. We need thy grace. We need your mercy. We need your help. For apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we pray, O Lord, that you would be in the preaching and teaching of the word, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of Christ, we confess that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. What about good works? Are good works necessary for our salvation? The Bible teaches, as we read at verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Faith is a gift from God. Not a result of work or works of man. Otherwise, we would have something to boast about before God and man. However, faith is never alone. Faith is never alone. Because good works inevitably follow a living, active faith in Jesus Christ. At verse 10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're saved by grace through faith. And you're saved by grace through faith to then walk in a manner worthy of the calling. As we look at verse 10, first we want to look at God's creation, God's creation of us. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. When you think of workmanship, we think of a thing that has been made, but more than that, we think about the skill of the person who made it. It's been over 30 years since I've been in, maybe not 30 years, it's been a long time since I've been in the hair industry, being a hairstylist, but I still look at people's heads. <laughs> wow, look at the craftsmanship on that head of hair. But don't you do that with your work? If you're a carpenter, you look at a deck, you look at a house, it's either poor workmanship or good workmanship. We are God's workmanship. God's creation of us is of such skill which is why we call it amazing grace. His workmanship, his skill is amazing. The way he made us and shaped us. Each Christian, each and every Christian is God's workmanship or handiwork, as the Psalms sometimes use. A great word, handiwork. Sometimes you look at your life, you're like, really, I'm his handiwork? <laughs> yes, you are. You are a Christian. Every child of God was once dead in sins and trespasses, spiritually dead, and producing dead works. Works to the glory of self. Works against God's will and purposes. But by the mercy of God, He's made us alive, a people made alive in Christ, God made us new creations in Christ. 
we are his handiwork. And our Father takes dead sinners and breathes spiritual life into them and makes them new creations. Is that not the wonderful handiwork or workmanship of God? Can you not say that in your life? Sometimes I have to pinch myself to realize I'm a Christian when I consider my past life. Young people, when I first became a Christian, I was so ashamed to see my old friends who I partied with and indulged in various evil things with. And I thought to myself, what would I say to them if I saw them? And I came up with this. That person is dead. He is a new creation in Christ. Can you not say that for yourself? Is his not creation of us a handiwork? A workmanship of such skill. A skill that no one can accomplish but God. Literally, the passage says, for we, or of you, or of him, we are workmanship. And so translators translate it, for we are his workmanship. So in the literal, it's emphasizing his, his workmanship. It's God's workmanship. And literally, having been created in Christ... Our translation is good. Most translations are good on this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now it's true that that God created every human being. And he created every human being in his own image and own likeness. That is true. But what's being spoken of here and spoken often in the Old Testament scriptures, is particularly the Psalms, when we heard it from Psalm 100, Then when God says he made us, he's talking about making or creating a particular people for himself by grace. You are a special possession, a prized possession in his sight, Christian, because he made you, he set you apart for this glorious work of his. Yes, he created everybody with body and soul. We're born Physically, we're, but we're born physically and spiritually dead. Dead in sins and trespasses. We are therefore born in Adam. We were born in Adam. We, we bear the sin passed down from Adam. But God, who is the great uh, physician, raises the dead, gives new life, and created us in Christ. So we are no longer in Adam, dead to sin and trespasses. We are now in Christ, alive with him. This is God's handiwork. From death to life, this is who you are in God's sight. God made us alive in Christ so that the old man or the old nature that was dead in sin would be raised to new life with a new purpose and goal. 
Paul says elsewhere, Behold, you are new creations in, in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come. Just as God spoke creation ex nihilo out of nothing, God speaks a new creation in dead sinners, making them alive. That's why there's creation language. You are his handiwork. You, sinner, (laughs) are his handiwork. Because he saved you from your sin. And you are counted righteous in his sight. He sees you as he sees his son. We are no longer in Adam, but in Christ. When God raised us from spiritual death to spiritual life in his son. So that our lives are transformed to the image of his son. Yes, we are justified and sanctified. That is, we are declared innocent before a holy God by grace through faith, which Paul appeals to. And we have been washed and cleansed by the blood of his son since past, present, and future. Cleansed, washed. But that said, the Bible teaches that God's creation of us involves a renewal of the whole man to the image of His Son. We have been created in Christ by God for the purpose of good works. Second point, God's purpose for our new creation. God's purpose for us. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He didn't save us so that we would continue in rebellion and sin. No, he created us to be portraits of his grace. The Father saves his children through the Son, and we become children of the Father. And God's children begin to take on the likeness of their Heavenly Father. You hear the saying, like Father, like Son. There's a really true reality to that, isn't there, for the Christian? You become like your Father in heaven. The purpose of God is to transform His people so that our desires and actions conform to His. So that what God loves, I love. What God hates, I hate. Namely, sin. God's purpose for us our good works because he created us to be new, to walk in newness of life. Turn with me in your Bible. Same book, Ephesians, same letter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and following. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkening their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. For this, But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, 
and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God's creation of us is for the purpose of molding, shaping us, i.e. transforming us, to be holy and righteous, a holy and righteous people. His purpose for us is to put away those things that are contrary to the things of God and to put on Christ. Walk in His ways. Lord's Day 32 unpacks this purpose. Look with me now at the Forms and Prayers book. Lord's Day 32, question and answer 86. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ, without any merit of our own, why then should we do good works? The answer, because Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, is also renewing us by His Spirit into His image, so that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for His benefits, gratitude, and that He may be praised through us, praise, and further so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits, assurance, and by our godly living our neighbors may be won over to Christ, witness. The purpose, the purpose of God in these things is to instill in us a grateful heart, a people who walk in gratitude, who people, a people who walk in praise of Him, a people who walk with an assurance that He is doing a wonderful work in us. He is transforming us. And a people that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. This answer is true and right and biblical. But additionally, and this is somewhat, this is implicitly in the Lord's Day answer, but we do good works because God receives the glory in His people. God is magnified. God is glorified. His handiwork, His workmanship, the skill of His hands and the lives of His people are on display. And He is glorified. As I said, faith is never alone. That is, good works inevitably follow faith in Christ. One commentator wrote, the doctrine of good works, when accepted by faith, deprives man of every reason for boasting in self, but also takes away from him every ground for despair. It glorifies God. Good works glorify God, and this is the purpose for God's transformative power in the life of those who were once dead but now are alive. 
God's creation of us, God's purpose for us, lastly, God's will for us. This is different than the previous points. There's one word in the Greek for the English phrase prepared beforehand. It's used in Romans chapter 9, verse 23. It means to make ready in advance. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is, walk in good works. Question, how does God prepare beforehand good works that we should walk in those good works? What does that mean? That is, is every good work, every expression of my love for God, every expression of my love for my neighbor, and it's the various ways that we love God and love neighbor, is every good work ordained by God, prepared beforehand? Is that what's being meant here? No, it's true that all things are ordained by God. That's true. We believe that. But is that the sense of this word here, what's going on? I believe that the sense of what God is saying here, when God says, God prepared beforehand that we should walk the walk." in them, that is walking good works, denotes the idea that he made ready in advance, he made ready in advance the way to conduct your life. That word walk, I've shared the Greek with you, peripateo, a very popular word by the Apostle Paul, he loves that word, it's figurative for conduct of life. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Conduct your life in a way that's consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's being said here, I believe, is that God prepared beforehand. He made ready in advance the way for those who were once spiritually dead and who are now spiritually alive to walk in a way God requires of them. See, when you're dead in sins and trespasses, you're dead. You can't do anything. You and I can't do anything good to the glory of God and to the praise of his name. But when we're alive in Christ, God revivifies our soul, our hearts. He brings life so that we now walk in accordance to his will. What is the new covenant promise in the Old Testament? I will put my spirit in them, and they will walk according to my laws. That's what's going on here. In this new covenant promise, God by his grace has prepared beforehand these good works, the way and will of God to be lived out by his people. But God, by his grace, did so first by making a chosen people for himself, creating a chosen people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to be holy and blameless. This is all from Ephesians chapter 1. To be holy and blameless, adopted into his family, redeemed by the blood of Christ, forgiven of all our trespasses, inheritors of eternal life, sealed with his Holy Spirit. These are all the blessed benefits that are in Ephesians chapter 1. 
And God made us alive and prepared beforehand the way for us to walk or conduct our lives differently than how we conducted them before. We are God's workmanship, portraits of his grace, confessing Christ, crucifying daily the evil works of the flesh, walking in good works according to the will of God. This is God's workmanship. God's workmanship. This is what he's doing in our lives. I want you to turn with me, or look with me at chapter 2 of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1. I want to unpack this more, God's will for us. Notice here, and you were dead in, your, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we, by nature, were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In other words, before you knew Christ and God made you alive, this is how you lived. This was the will of man. This was your will that you and I were wanting to fulfill. And the will of man results in what? Evil deeds. You see the connection that Paul's making? Actually, we have at verse 10 an inclusio of or a bookends of verse 1. At verse 1, you walked in accordance to the ways of this world, according to the, the prince of the power of the air. Our wills were evil and did evil. But now in Christ you've been made alive, and now God prepared before him, before him that we should walk in the good works that he prescribes in his word. The radical difference of God's handiwork from taking one who is dead and who is one who is alive. The radical difference between unbelief and belief. The radical difference between one who is an enemy of God and one who is the child of God. Let's turn to chapter 4, verse 1. Keep your Bibles open, please, and we'll, I want to point out a few verses here because Paul loves to give theological teaching, but the, theological teaching is always practical to Paul, always practical. Verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because this is God's will and God prepared beforehand that you should walk in this way. And Paul's saying, Christian, walk in this manner. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Why? Because this is the will of God for your life. Verse 8 of chapter 5. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
walk as children of light. Verse 15. Oh, I'm not done yet. Paul's not done yet. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The will of God, God's will for us in the new creation, as new creations in Christ, is to walk differently. To walk in a way that is different from the world, and that is walking in the way of Christ. He is our Lord, our Savior, and our example in this. I can go on in Paul's other epistles. I think of Colossians chapter 1. The many times he exhorts us to walk. As he's not preaching a gospel of merit or works. No, he understands, he's teaching us that we walk in a manner worthy of the calling because we have been made alive in Christ. And since we've been made alive in Christ, now therefore desire to walk in his will and ways. That's why Lord's Day 32, let's look at the next question. On the next page, 238. It seems like this question is kind of disjointed, doesn't fit here. He says, can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and unrepentant ways? By no means, Scripture tells us that no unchaste person, no idolater, adulterer, thief, no covetous person, no drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like will inherit the kingdom of God. Because of those are not works, the works that God is talking about here. That is not the will of God. The will of God is to walk in righteousness and truth. And the one who has true living faith desires, longs for a life of living in holiness and righteousness and not according to the deeds of the flesh. Has anyone ever asked you why you're different? Has anyone ever asked you at work, wow, why do you have such a work ethic? Why do you do what you do? Why are you different? Anybody ever ask you that? Has anybody ever asked you, wow, you have a good attitude? How do I get that? How do I have a good attitude? What's your answer? I am God's handiwork. I am God's workmanship. He's a skillful master heart surgeon. A skillful, masterful heart surgeon. And he's done this work in my life. It's not an opportunity to point to yourself. It's actually an open door to give praise to Christ and give him glory. It's an opportunity, an open door to tell your neighbor or your workmate 
the wonderful things that God has done for you. Don't waste those opportunities. As I mentioned before, the fear I had about meeting old party partners back in the day. I'm a different person by the grace of God. This is not of my own doing. We point people to Jesus. Do we not? I am who I am because of God's grace in Jesus Christ for me. We do good works. We live out the Christian faith. We walk in a manner worthy of the calling because of the work that he's already has done in our lives and is doing in our lives. In this way, congregation, we witness to the world. Because he purposed from all eternity, from all eternity, he purposed to create you and he purposed to conform you to the image of his son from all eternity. That you would be his portrait of grace. That he's made us alive and is working his grace in us daily. And yes, there is remaining sin in our lives, and quite a bit of it actually. But God, who is rich in mercy, forgives and enables us to press on in faith, hope, and love. He will bring to completion his handiwork. He will bring to completion his masterpiece. At the end of the day, at the day of Christ Jesus, because he has prepared beforehand our glory, as Paul says to the Romans. He has prepared the way to glory when we will be like Christ in glory. We await the final product on the day of redemption when God's workmanship is complete in the new heavens and new earth. And you will know no sin. You will be like Christ in the twinkling of an eye. Is not God amazing? Is his love not great that he should take us, dead sinners, and make us alive for his glory and purposes, for the praise of his name and the exaltation of Jesus Christ? May Jesus be praised and glorified in your life, Christian. May he be praised and glorified in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are humbled by your sovereign grace in our lives that you, O Lord, according to your eternal purpose and electing love, have called us to be a holy people, a people set apart for your kingdom, a 
a people set apart to be children of God. Oh, Lord, teach us daily what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. May you, by your grace and your spirits, work powerfully in our wills so that our lives are shaped in accordance to your will. Our lives are shaped to the praise of your name. And our lives are shaped for the exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ who showed us and continues to show us in his word what it means to walk as children of God. For he indeed walked in love and he loved us so that he gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so may our lives be a fragrant offering as well a fragrant offering of thanksgiving for the great works works that you have done in us and through us and will continue to do in us according to your divine purposes. We pray these things in Jesus' name.